I want to welcome you to day five, our last day of week six of our look through First and Second Kings. We're going to be mostly in Second Kings 18 today as we start a look at Hezekiah. Remember, we began looking yesterday at some of these good kings during this last season of Israel and Judah, and we are learning from them some of the things that it takes to have an outstanding faith. From Hezekiah, who removed the high places, the places of idol worship, we learn that it, you have to deal with, you have to remove sometimes the destructive, the distracting influences in your life in order to have an outstanding faith. But listen to what happens in verses 1 to 4. In the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, he smashed the sacred stones, and he cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. In order to have this outstanding faith, one of the things you and I have to do is first make the place of worship a priority in our lives, but then we also have to deal with these destructive and distracting influences. And in Israel, they were the high places, very destructive influences. They'd been a thorn in the side of Israel and Judah for generations. The people worshiped idols instead of worshiping the one true God. These were centers of self-centered worship. They were all about finding a God who would do what I want done, not a God who is telling me how to live my life, but a God who I can tell what I want done. And even the faithful kings, many of the faithful kings of Israel did not remove the high places, but Hezekiah did. And we can learn some things from him. Now, what are these influences for us, the destructive and distracting influences? We've got to deal with them. Now, distracting influences can be anything and everything in life, but when you go to the destructive ones, they really have to do with the idols of life, the things that we worship instead of God. And for them, they were stones, they were false gods. For us, their materialism, their pleasure, their our time, their getting my way. Anything that I set up as more important than God, that's an idol in my life. Now, what had happened for many years is these high places in Israel, in Judah, they remained untouched. They remained as they were. They tried to worship God in the right way while they were in Jerusalem, but they still had these high places, often a corner of their lives, where they could run to their selfishness. Are there some corners of your life like that? I would guess there are. There certainly are in mine. Most of us are still struggling with selfishness. We're going to struggle the rest of our lives. I haven't actually met anybody who's not still struggling with selfishness. So those places that you have of selfishness set off untouched in some corner, how can you start to deal with them? The high places that Hezekiah had to deal with remind us of the kind of things we have to deal with. Let me read for you verse 4 again. Very interesting. Four different kinds of high places here, or idol, places of idol worship. He removed the high places, that's the first one, smashed the sacred stones, the second one, he cut down the Asherah poles, the third, and then he broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made, the fourth one, for at that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. So here are four things that they made idols of, but you can learn about our lives too. Four things that we make idols of. First, the high places. We make idols sometimes of our pet trusts things that we trust in that have nothing to do with God. You see, they'd gone to these high places for years. They'd, it'd become sort of a habit in their lives, familiar in their lives, comfortable in their lives. And you and I have places like that in our lives. We know God doesn't want us to go to that place of anger. We know that God doesn't want us to go to that place of lust. 
We know that God doesn't want us to go to that place of shopping in order to feel better about ourselves. We know that God doesn't want us to go to that place of gossip in order to feel bigger or better than the other people around us. We know all of those things, but we keep going back to those places. Why do we do that? Because we're familiar with them, because they make us somehow feel better about ourselves. Now, the truth of the matter is they're poisoning us in ways that we don't understand. But we're familiar with them, and we think better of ourselves when we go to these places, even though they're destroying our lives. you got to deal with those kind of idols, the little pet trusts, the things that make you feel better about yourself that you know, deep down, you know are destroying you and others around you many times. That's the high places. And then there's the sacred stones. They went and worshiped at these places of sacred stones. These were stones that they had stood up and often carved to look very beautiful. This is making an idol of our accomplishments. God, they could not see. So they carved a stone that they could see. And then they could go and worship something that they had accomplished. Sometimes you can still dig them up today in archaeological digs. They were very beautiful, very ornate, very huge construction jobs sometimes. And you and I, we can sometimes worship at the idol of our own accomplishments, at what we have done, at what we have accomplished, at what's happened in our family or through our business. And we look at those things and we look to those things to cause us to feel better about who we are. And many times when we make those things the idol, how do you know if, the, if you've made an idol of your accomplishment? The accomplishment becomes more important than God in your life. You don't have time for God, you have time for the accomplishment. The accomplishment becomes so important because your self-image is tied up in that accomplishment instead of being tied up in who God is. A third place of idol worship for them was the Asherah poles. They worshiped a false god of success, fertility. And this is making an idol of our happiness, making an idol of our pleasure and our success. Feeling like God is there to give me pleasure and God is there to give me success. And I don't have those things then there must be something wrong with God. And the truth of the matter is, many times you will find joy in the Lord and happiness that goes along with that joy. But in this world, there are also times of mourning. There are also times of grief. We're not in heaven yet. We're not in the perfect place yet. There will be a time when there is only joy. But for now, if you've made an idol of happiness, then you will run away from the true God in order to find a God who will give you the finances that you want or give you the immediate pleasure that you want or give you the immediate success that you think you deserve. God is bigger than those things. God is greater than those things. He's looking at your life, not just in this next five years. He's looking at your life in terms of eternity. That's the kind of success that he's building in. And then there's this this fourth place of idol worship, the most interesting one to me, Moses' snake. They took the snake, the bronze snake that you can read in the Old Testament, Moses had made, and he held it up to the people. He said, if you look at this snake and trust in God, then you won't be killed when the death angel comes through the camp. Well, here they are, 600, 700 years later, they're still holding this up as a place of idol worship. They're burning incense to it. Now, this, this is nothing new what happens here. We see it many, many times in the Bible. The snake that Moses raised up that God had told them to look at at that day, now they're trusting not in God, they're trusting in the bronze snake. They've become so familiar with this idol, they even had a pet name for it, Nehushtan. We've got Nehushtans in our life. We can do the same thing. We can make an idol out of a place. It can be a tent that you used to worship in or or a building you used to worship in, and you can say, God could not work in my life in the way that he worked in my life in that place. Or you can make an idol out of an experience. You have some experience with God at a camp or in a church service, 
Some people even make an idol out of their experience of being born again. And they think, I can't get back to that same feeling, so I must not be as close to God. You're making an idol. Sometimes you can make an idol out of a person. Some pastor that you used to have, Pastor George or Pastor, Pastor Nehushtan, whatever you name that pastor, he's the one that brought you to Christ. He's the one that you first learned the word from. And you think, well, there's no other person that can really teach me the word. That's just not true. No, no one will ever be like them, but also no one will ever be like the pastor that you have now, the leader that you have now. Don't make an idol out of that person so that it keeps you from growing now. The essence of idolatry is the desire to get. Idols are self-serving little false gods. And it's easy to become self-serving about our faith. When we become disappointed in ourselves or sorrowful about this world. But look at how Hezekiah dealt with these places. Remember what we just read? And let me just read what he did. He removed the high places. He smashed the sacred stones. He cut down the Asher poles. He broke into pieces this snake. He dealt with it once and for all. There was no compromise. There was no putting them off to the side so that maybe we can come back to them later. He totally dealt with them. You can't deal with high places in your life with halfway measures. It takes an unwavering commitment. And that often means telling someone else that commitment that you're making. The reason you're afraid, I'm afraid to tell somebody else, is I know that I'm going to stick with the commitment. Somebody's going to hold me accountable to that commitment. But it is worth it. Because when you deal with these destructive, these distracting influences in your life, you've opened your life to a kind of faith you've never discovered before. An outstanding faith, the kind of faith that can not only strengthen your life, but strengthen the life of everyone around you. So let's pray for God's strength in this one. Our Father, we ask for strength to deal with these destructive influences in our lives, these idols that we set up of our own past, our own comfort, our own accomplishments, our own pleasures, all of these things, Lord, that so easily can seem to us to be the way to reach you. We don't want to put anything between you and us. The truth of the matter is we just need to reach you. You are the God that we need. You're the Father that we need. And so we come to you right now. And we pray that if there are these idols in our lives, these things that are in between us and you, these self-serving gods, that God, you'd help us to be aware of them and help us to, as Hezekiah did, set them aside entirely, destroy them. Because God, we don't want that. We want you. We want the truth. We want faith. We want life. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, join us next week. We're going to continue to learn about faith from some of these great kings as we finish this next week our study of First and Second Kings. 